On September 28, 1789, George Washington proclaimed our first national holiday. He pronounced it a day of public thanksgiving. That's how it's written. Public with a K, thanksgiving, no G. Personally, it's my favorite holiday. I'm sure you have your family traditions. Some eat in the middle of the day, others at night. Some families rotate homes. For others, it's always at grandma's house. For most of us, there's a few essential menu items and wrapped around it are family favorite side dishes. Some families go on a football binge, others play games, others dream of Black Friday shopping, and some sleep most of the rest of the day away in a food coma. In Exodus chapter 12, God proclaims Israel's first national holiday. It too is a day of public thanksgiving. George Washington didn't give many guidelines other than a thankful heart, but God lays down specifics for how to keep this first national Israel holiday. He starts with the when. This is to be done in the first month of the year. In fact, God switches the calendar and makes this month the first month. He goes on to command, this holiday is to be kept every year, forever. God states, the meal is to start in the evening. In fact, I'd like you to stay up all night. God then moves on to the where it should be celebrated. He doesn't say which family home. He just says, stay in the home. Don't scatter out into the yard. Stay under your roof, which moves us to God's who. Who should celebrate this first national Israel holiday? The answer was, your family. God defines that as those who followed his command, your circumcised males and their loved ones. God also invites them to invite those outside their immediate family who are also God's people circumcised males and their family and friends. Fill the house, God says, but fill it only with those who've been obedient to my command that the males be circumcised along with their loved ones and friends. God moves on to the menu. What will you eat? There are only a few essentials, no side dishes. The first is the meat, goat or lamb, and not just any goat or lamb, a one-year-old unblemished male served whole Roasted, not boiled. God is more fussy with the recipe he gives than great-grandma about her favorite dish. God goes on to state those inedible innards are to be cremated over that same fire, and the meat is to be consumed completely, no leftovers, and God adds, don't break any of the animal's bones. There are only two side dishes, unleavened, that is, unrisen bread and bitter herbs. That's it. Nothing more, nothing less. God then moves on to how it is to be eaten. To summarize, wolf it down like you're ready to run out the front door. All participants were to be fully dressed as if ready to head out the door for the day. Old men were to sit with their walking sticks in hand. And everyone was to scarf it down. God then moves to the why. Why would he command their first holiday meal to be eaten in the house in haste, with these items, every year is a nation. God answers that by saying, when you do this in the future, and your children ask, why do we do what we do on this national holiday? You'll tell them the story. Their first national holiday was a remembrance and celebration of what happens in Exodus chapters 13 and 14. The tenth contraction, the tenth plague on Israel, the contraction that caused Pharaoh and the Egyptians to push the Hebrews out and give them life as a baby nation, Israel. 
Here's what happened. God told Moses, I'm going to strike the firstborn of animals and men in Egypt. No home will be spared, whether Pharaoh's home or the home of a slave or prisoner. On this night, while my people assemble to eat this meal in haste and keep watch, I will send my angel through Egypt and strike down the firstborn. God continues, Are you listening, Moses? I will pass over any house who obeys this command. Take some of the blood from that one-year-old unblemished goat or lamb you're preparing and spread it over the door of your house and on the post. When I send my angel of death over the homes of Egypt, I will see the blood over your door and on your posts and pass over your home. And that's precisely what God did. Wailing erupted in Egypt. Firstborn sons of man and beast lay dead everywhere. I asked the boys in my class, how many of you are firstborn in your family? Hands will raise. Then I asked the whole class, how many of your fathers were the firstborn? More hands will raise. Then I ask, how many of your grandpas were the firstborn son? Nearly all hands are raised. I'll throw in, is your male pet by any chance a firstborn in the litter? But in those homes in Goshen, where the blood was over the door and on the posts, the angel of death passed over, and all firstborns were spared. Pharaoh summons Moses and Aaron to his palace and says, Get out! Now, you and all your people, go! And they do. After eating this meal in haste and sitting fully dressed in their homes with their staves in their hand, Moses' command to leave, get out, now, echoes through Goshen. In the chaotic night that followed, God's people throw whatever they can onto carts, donkeys, and even into their aprons and head out into the dark Egyptian night. Pause to imagine the chaos. The text tells us that among them were Egyptians who believed in the God of Israel. Also on their camels and in their carts were many possessions of the Egyptians. For those of you who may be troubled by that, God's people borrowing things they never intended to return, remember, for at least a century they've been severely abused as slaves. God was providing a way for some of that compensation to be returned, for the things they would need in the desert. They come to a fork in the road, and instead of going left, the direct route to Canaan through Philistine land, God directs them to the right road, south and east, toward the Red Sea and the wilderness. These are children and slaves who know nothing about defending themselves. If they come face to face with the tough Philistines, they'll turn back and go back to the womb of Egypt. You probably know what happens next. Pharaoh, perhaps looking at his own dead son and hearing the wailing of Egypt, has his heart hardened still further in him. What have we done letting our slaves go? That may have been a cover for, I will extract my revenge on the Hebrews. He assembles 600 tanks, chariots, and his finest footmen, and goes in hot pursuit down the right fork in the road toward the Red Sea and wilderness. Camped against the Red Sea, the Israelites are trapped. But God throws down a roadblock, a massive cloud that comes between the camp of Israel and the pursuing Egyptian army. The text tells us on one side of the cloud it was light toward Israel's camp, and on the other side of the cloud, darkness toward the Egyptians. There at the Red Sea, in the middle of the night, the Israelites attack Moses. 
We're dead. You've brought us into the wilderness to die. Weren't there enough graves in Egypt to bury us? Prompted by God, Moses, the midwife, tells the Israelites, Stand there and watch the salvation of God. A strong east wind begins to blow, and before the Israelites' eyes, God piles the Red Sea up into two water walls with a path going straight through. I love the DreamWorks recreation of this in animation. Walls of water with fish shadows swimming inside. God then lifts the cloud, and the frenzied, bloodthirsty Egyptians pursue them down the dry path through the sea. Now safe on the other side, God prompts Moses to turn toward the sea and raise his staff. With the Egyptians all inside the sea path, with Israel safely crossed, God prompts Moses to turn and raise his staff over the seaway path. The sea walls collapse on the Egyptians. Imagine with me for just a moment the scene. A host of stunned Israelites watching the waters collapse. The Niagara Falls times a hundred deafening sound of the deluge and then complete quiet. Israel had been freed from oppressive slavery. God had made a way where there was no way. They fell to their knees and on their faces before, I am who I am, the God who is and who delivers. Then there's a lone voice, joined by others, a song rising out of the baby nation Israel. I will sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously, the horse and rider thrown into the sea. God's children begin to sing. And that's why the first national holiday of Israel was proclaimed by God. When your children ask, what do all these things mean? The blood over the door, the way we eat, what we eat, who we eat with? Tell them this story. Remind them of what our powerful God did. The midwife Moses will now become the driver of the children of Israel on their journey to Sinai. You've been on family trips with children, right? If you have, you've got a good idea of what's coming in our next word picture. 